NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, episode 74. Oh, Brylon Bentley. I, I'm, man, I, I can't stop thinking about here we are in, what is this, day three, day four? It doesn't matter. The NFR is going down. We're in Arlington. We're in Fort Worth. We're all over the place. We're all over the place in Texas. And I just, I'm just excited to watch the contestants. You know, the social media shows you so much going on. You see all the, everyone's sharing stuff, PRCA sharing stuff, Cowboy Channel, fans. You can't miss a beat what's going on with social media. And, it, and, and if you're not there, you're feeling it. I'm just excited that we're, this is happening. What a crazy year it's been. And it's not done. It's still a crazy year, right? We're running the middle of a million things going on outside of the rodeo business. But... How are you feeling right now? Because you grew up in this world and you're getting to see so much and you're hanging out at Cowtown every day, Junior World Finals. Triple B, how are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident that this year may not have been the best year for everyone, but it was a year that our teams came together and under the circumstances, NFR is happening and the Junior World Finals is happening and it's amazing to see all these competitors thankful and even though like I said it wasn't maybe their best year or you know maybe it was some of their best years you know Shad came in in a lead like no other so are you talking about Money Mayfield Shad Money Mayfield is that who you're talking about Shad Money Mayfield yeah he uh, got a nickname this year because he had a great spring and he got to carry that out throughout the season but it's just nice to see that even though it's different which has been my key word. I'm pretty sure you guys could find it a hundred times throughout the last couple months, but <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Absolutely. What I, but you were telling me something about Mr. Brazil and money Mayfield. What was that you were talking about earlier? Yeah. So last night, uh, round two, Trevor Brazil made a comment that Shad had a different roping technique and he had kind of noticed it a few times throughout the last couple weeks or, months and he thought it was a mistake he lets go of a coil as soon as he comes out of the box and anyone that ropes they just know that your control is in your coil it's in your hands so when you let go of a rope that you know you let out the extra rope you lose part of your control and this is his technique and he's been running with it and rolling with it and Trevor and everyone else is now just watching it and seeing if this might be the new thing I love watching the Cowboy Channel because it, it's they're doing a great job of covering everything from inside and around all the things that are happening down there in Fort Worth and Arlington. We can talk about this forever. We got, we got the next, what, eight, nine days to talk about this still. But here we got 
NFR bullfighter, Nate Justice. Too much fun talking to that guy. And then, what is it? Uh, let's see. 2020 and 2021, Miss Rodeo America, Jordan Tierney. And she was awesome. I just love that she got to highlight her background and give a little information on our ag world that, you know, I myself take for granted for knowing about. You brought it up, like, what what does that mean? And she just went into detail as if it was common knowledge. And that's something I think in our podcast we try to push through is that, you know, everything in our rodeo world or ag world doesn't, it's just not common knowledge all the time. Just because I may know it or Steve may know it doesn't mean everyone does. Yeah, that and Nate Justice and Injuries both interviews are a lot of fun and very different in the rodeo business as far as perspective and things that, well, one yes. faces and one that experiences. Enjoy this. But up next, little NFR Rewind with Jeff Metters and Butch Knowles from the Cowboy Channel. And just like that, we are two rounds into the 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo from Globe Live Field in Arlington, Texas. Jeff Metters, Butch Knowles, round two was, uh, it was wild. I thought some of the some best rough stock I've seen in a while. Yeah, it was really good, especially in round two. You know, we saw some guys that, you know, kind of stumbled a little bit. Some other guys stepped up and went right through the door. It, it was pretty impressive. In round two, we got a lot left. But that was quite a start. Yeah, the bottom line, the time event stuff was really pretty good, too. Let's take a look at what happened in round number two. And we started in bareback riding. We're tearing off. Matched up here with Wilson Sanchez. What a cool ride. 87 points. Yeah, what a pretty ride. You know, these horses were kind of the some somewhat eliminators. But this really wasn't one of them right here. He was just a great draw for us. He knew it. He took advantage of it. Gets his win. Coach Hampton steer wrestling in the magic time tonight was 3.8 seconds. Yeah, good for young Bridger Anderson. You know, that was a great run right there. Had to reach a little bit. Got his feet on the ground. Quick. Then here comes Wagon Pack. Back on Scooter. Look out. This could be habit for him for his week's done. Great run at 3 and 8. That's going to be fun to watch. Team roping, you got to get Squeeza and Graves. Boy, were they good tonight. 3 8. Yeah, Travis Graves. Talk about cleaning it up because that Squeeza was almost out of room over there at the bucket shoots. That was good. All right, here's the wild stuff now in the in, in the rough stock side of it. Look at that. That's cowboy stuff right there. Ride or right wins 90 points. Yeah, you would never take a horse laying down probably, but guess what? Ride or right doesn't know that. He's got to stand up the buck. He stood up and he won the round. That was amazing. What a ride. Marty Yates won round one with a time of 7-1. He wins round two with a time of 7-2. Boy, Marty Yates is in the zone right now, isn't he? I mean, he's on his great horse and he's taking advantage of every draw. Second win in a row. On the barrel racing side of things, Jimmy Smith got the win 17.04, and she needed to be that fast because Haley Kinzel was breathing down her neck. <laughs> it's good to see Jimmy win this round. You know, she struggled last night. Her horse kind of lost sight of that third barrel. She took advantage of it tonight. Picked up, you know, you can see the focus right here. 17.04, that's the fastest run we've seen so far. Jimmy, we'll see what she can do now when she gets going on. And get ready for another right highlight. This time it's Stetson Wright. He won round one. He wins round two. What a wild ride. Yeah, he earned it, didn't he? Talk about why these eliminators. Well, that's why. He did everything to get Stetson on the ground. Stetson, he is motivated. What a bull ride for Stetson Wright. Two nights in our rearview mirror. Eight are still ahead on the Cowboy Channel and RFD TV. We'll get to the round three tonight, starting at 7 Eastern. 
Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's only official gift show, is open daily at the Fort Worth Convention Center through December 12th. Cowboy Christmas is no ordinary Western shopping fest. You'll find hundreds of exhibitors with the most unique Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and so much more. If you need it, you can find it here. There's something for everyone at Cowboy Christmas, and admission is free. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here. Hey, this is Tracy Lawrence, and you're here with us on NFR Extra. Bullfighter Nate Justice entered the PRCA in 2010, and his career swiftly accelerated. He has had the opportunity to work and protect cowboys at some of the biggest rodeos in the industry, including four trips to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. In 2017, Nate decided to sideline his freestyle career to focus on protecting bull riders. He takes pride in his craft of protecting cowboys. Four-time NFR bullfighter, Nathan Justice. Welcome to NFR Extra, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're... uh... We're all getting ready for NFR and well, or if you're listening to this, you could be listening to this. We could be a day two, day three, day five of the NFR here in uh, Arlington, Texas. But uh, yeah, man, uh, thank you for coming on. Let's not waste any time here. We, how has your past year, how have you been participating in rodeos and whatnot through the summer? What, what's been going on through these COVID times for you? Yeah. So this last year, it's been, you know, kind of like everybody else. It's, it's been, um, kind of off and on, you know, I got through, I was fortunate enough to get through the bulk of my winter, um, January, February, March, um, all okay. Um, you know, everything kind of started shutting down after the American. And for me, my schedule started to kind of slow down as well. I mean, I still had quite a few events in April, but, um, I usually take the month of May off anyway. So I didn't miss a whole lot April and May and I was kind of banking on, you know, everything shut down I was like well at least we'll still have our summer run you know and then all of a sudden they come around and next thing you know all the June rodeos are canceled and July August whatever um, but I was able to go to a few in June we went to Lawton Oklahoma for their extreme bulls uh, Woodward Oklahoma for their PRCA rodeo and then up to Cody Wyoming over the fourth and, and um, Spanish Fork in Deadwood Dodge City um, all that. So I had a pretty decent June and July until I uh, I broke my leg in, in Dodge City. So oh. that sent me back home. Okay. So wait, you just said you broke your leg in August. Is that right? Yep. Yep. But here you are in December getting ready for the NFR. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. So, but it, uh, actually, if I were to, if I were to pick a time to break my leg, it was a pretty good time to do it because all my August and September rodeos were canceled. October rodeos were canceled anyway. So I really, I've only missed one rodeo uh, with this broken leg. So it actually gave me a lot of time to really take care of it, do my rehab properly and, uh, you know, move forward with, with my leg in mind. And, you know, middle of October, we found out we got the NFR. So um, the rehab, you know, went to the next level and we were, we were uh, on the fast track to getting it back. So I'm just imagining, because and there's no short of jokesters. I would imagine the 
Hey, Nate, don't break, don't break a leg, uh, here over the next, um, 10 days. I'm sure you're going to hear some of that somewhere. Yeah. Well, the way my luck's been the last two years, it'd probably be something I would do, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's all, all the bad luck's out of the way. You make it to the first round of 2018 Wrangler NFR. And then what happened? Can you take us through that injury and experience? Yeah. So, uh, 2018 round one, um, we got through the first 13 bulls, uh, really well. And then Dustin Bouquet got on a bull called left lane. Um, uh, I think it's a rafter agent bull, but, uh, Bouquet come off and he, uh, he come over, uh, come off over on Cody Webster's side. So, um, my job and where I was at in the arena was to kind of float towards the middle of the arena and play that offside, um, kind of position to try to get that bull's attention on me and get him pulled away from, from Webster and Bouquet. Well, as I was moving out towards the middle of the arena, that bull saw me and just charged at me real hard and fast, and he hit me in my left hip. And it, it pushed me out there a little ways, and, and when I landed, my right leg was completely straight. Um, and being that I had some knee braces on, and all that to, you know, to protect myself from any sort of knee injuries. Um, when I landed with that uh, leg completely straight, that bull kept charging through me. So I had about 1,500 pounds um, being forced over top of my straight leg. And with those mm. knee braces on, I couldn't, it wouldn't allow my knee to hyperextend or anything. So the only thing that could give was my hamstring. Mm. Um, so I completely tore my hamstring um, I tore two of them, two of the three muscles. One of the muscles tore in the middle of the muscle belly, and then the other one ripped off of the pelvis. Um, and so I was essentially I was unable to run at all. Um, and when I got ran over and I got up, I I thought I just had a Charlie horse. I was in no pain. I was, uh, I mean, it it felt like it. You know, I just had a little Charlie horse. So I went to to get up and pick up my hat and walk back to the bucking chutes. And as I was walking, I took a big step and my whole right leg just shut off. It, it was like a shock went down through my entire leg and my leg just shut off and I almost fell over. And so I was like, that's kind of weird. Um, and Tugness, you know, he come up to me, he's like, you all right? I said, yeah. I said, but something just doesn't feel right. I said, my leg's really weak. And I said, it keeps shutting off. Whenever I try to take a step, it'll just shut off. And so I went over and saw Chad Schmidt, who was with Justin Sports Medicine Team. And I was describing to him what was happening. And he's like, well, where does it hurt? And I said, well, it doesn't. I just, it, it's not working. And he's like, well, try to run up and down the fence, see if you can just run it off. And I tried to take a jogging step. And I went to plant and push off. And same thing, my leg just shut off and I almost fell over. And so at that point, I knew something, something wasn't right. Um, so I kind of just stayed in the corner for the next two bulls. And then after that, I was able to, to walk up to the Justin Sports room and have Tandy Freeman check me out. And so I laid down on the table, and Tandy got to feeling around, and he said, yeah, Nate, you, you tore your two of your three hamstring muscles. And just kind of being ignorant to the injury, I was like, sweet, so you'll be able to – wrap me up and get me through the next 10 days. Right. And he said, no, you don't understand. You, you will not be able to, to run until this is repaired. And so I was like, so I got to get surgery and everything. He said, yep. And I was like, crap. Um, so the next morning I got up and I had to go get an MRI 
And then I brought it back to Thomas and Mac and showed Tandy and he kind of confirmed what he thought. I tore two of the three hamstring muscles. And then he tells me, Nate, I think this is worse than we thought. And I was like, what do you mean? You know? And he said, well, one of your tears is in the middle of the muscle belly. That's easy to fix. We just go in there, we reattach the muscles and it'll heal, whatever. He said, but looking at this, he goes, your other one, it, it tore off of your pelvis. He said, normally when you tear a muscle off your pelvis, what'll happen, it'll, it'll pull the tendon off the bone. But what you did is your tendon stayed attached to the bone, but it pulled the muscle out of the tendon. So you degloved your muscle from tendon and you cannot reattach muscle to tendon. I said, okay. He said, so this just got a lot more complicated. And he goes, I do not know how to fix this. I fixed your oh. hamstrings and I do not know how to fix this. Oh, and man. I said, so you're telling me that I will not be able to run the entire rest of my life until this is fixed and you don't know how to fix it. And he said, correct. So that's kind of when it got, it got real, you know, and, and um, it was scary. You know, uh, I had to go back and get a, a different MRI, just kind of a, a more up close image of that, the actual injury. And it confirmed, you know, that kind of a tear. And so Tandy was described or Tandy was trying to figure out the best plan for me moving forward. Um, and so he reached out to four different doctors across the entire country and I got turned down by all four of them. And so throughout the next 10 days, we just kept trying to figure out a plan, what we're doing, trying to find somebody that knew how to fix this type of an injury. And finally, I think it was like round nine. We finally, I, I came into the, the performance and, to get my treatments and everything. And, and Tandy said, Nate, I've found a guy for you. And I said, sweet. He goes, uh, Dr. Yom in New York city. Um, he's a hip and knee, um, specialist. He's, he does, he's done it, you know, on, on a lot of high profile athletes. He said, he's seen this injury before. Um, it's very rare, but he knows how to fix it. And he described to me how, how he was going to fix it. And he goes, I think that's the best plan for you moving forward. And I said, okay, sounds good. So um, this is a long story, but uh, the next month we were trying to figure out and schedule this surgery, but it was just such a mess because, because I was hurt at the NFR and I was contracted by Las Vegas events. I fell underneath their, um, workman's comp policy and so we were fighting workman's comp for over a month just trying to get this surgery scheduled and long story short workman's comp ended up denying the claim they didn't see why i needed to go to new york they thought i could just have surgery in douglas wyoming and be fine and and it just wasn't going to work so we had them deny our claim and then that way we can move forward with our own personal insurance and uh get it scheduled so uh, January 31st, I ended up having surgery. So it was over, over a month and a half from the injury till I had surgery. And then after that, it was about eight months rehab process. Damn. Wow. That is. Yeah. 
unreal. I feel like I'm hanging on the edge of a cliff right here. Totally. It, you know, you're not on camera <laughs> with us, like, Nate. I had an eight-month recovery process. <laughs> All right. And then, you know, gosh <laughs> darn it, man. Well, what's even crazier is how they fixed it. So um, once they got in there, what they did was they took a, a, a an Achilles tendon from a cadaver mm. and attached to that Achilles tendon was a little chunk of bone. So they uh, drilled a hole under my pelvis hammered and screwed that chunk of bone in there and then they pulled that uh, the hamstring muscle back up to the proper location and then they wrapped that Achilles tendon around my muscle and sutured it or however they got it to attach and um, whenever you have you know cadaver in your body it takes uh, about 12 weeks your body will the first six weeks your body will break down that cadaver tissue and then it will rebuild it into its own tissue so throughout that breakdown rebuild process is how that Achilles tendon permanently attached to my hamstring. So that's how they got it to, to that's how they reconnected my hamstring back to my pelvis. So how long was that surgery? Well, believe it or not, it was an outpatient surgery. I checked into the hospital at 6.30 in the morning and I was back in the hotel room at 2.30 in the afternoon. Damn. No way. Wow. <laughs> Science is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievably, you think? So then, so then now kind of going back to that, that was the 18, 19 recovery deal. And then you break your leg this year. Yeah. Was that in any conjunction or was that just a totally separate deal? Totally separate. Yeah. So what happened there? um, So in Dodge city, uh, I come out and, I made the save and we were kind of out in the, in the deep water out in the middle of the arena and I had a really hustle to get there and got through the gap just fine. And that bull swapped ends and come back to me. And then Wacey Munsell, the guy I was uh, fighting bulls with in Dodge city, he pulled that bull off of me and kind of moved more towards the middle of the arena. And I went back to help Wacey and get that bull pulled off of Wacey. Well, that bull seen me and come charge. And I just tried to throw a big fake on him and it didn't really work. And he caught me and he knocked me down and on his way by, um, you know, he just run me over and his, his back leg just stepped square on, the, on the lower part of my leg and, and broke my fibula and ended up tearing all the ligaments out of my ankle and all that stuff. So we had to get that reattached too. Damn. Jeez, man. And so now you're a hundred percent going, coming into this deal. You're, I mean, you've supermaned yourself into, yeah. into being legit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I went up to a gym in Montana that I train at, and uh, they did some, they did a, I, mean, I was up there for about, you know, two weeks, and then I continued my rehab and um, stuff um, afterwards, but they just really got after it and got all that explosive, you know, that's what I was missing, and that's what I wanted to go up to Montana do, and do and train for, was to get that explosive. And so, um, now that I've got that back, I've been. Wow, man. That's crazy. So let's, I mean, let's change the gears and get off of the injury train here. On the positive note, what is it like fighting bulls in the Thomas and Mac? It's, um, it's, it's like nothing else. I, you know, my whole career, I've always, I always told myself I'll never, Takes my career off of the NFR. You know, I work a lot of great rodeos throughout the year. 
um, that, and there's a lot of a lot of bullfighters that um, you know never go to the NFR that deserve it, but uh, work a lot of great rodeos throughout the year. So that's kind of how I you know told myself I'll never base my career off of the NFR. Um, but the first time I fought bulls in that arena, I said, "This is cool, and I want to come back." And um, you know, and so it's it's like nothing else when you have eighteen thousand people stacked on top of you and just the atmosphere in that building is like nothing else. Yeah. That's, what's crazy that Thomas and Mac is like, I mean, just a, a hub for that. You walk in there and it's like, Oh, the national finals rodeo, you know I mean? And just as a spectator side of it, you can kind of feel that. So what's your feelings going in with this historic move to the NFR being in Arlington for 2020? Um, I'm very excited about it. I mean, I'm just as excited to be in Globe Life as I would be at Thomas and Mac. Um, it's it's going to have a different feel for sure. I mean, we, we went down to the locker room yesterday and took our bags in there and we were able to walk out onto the arena floor. And, and uh, it's definitely weird seeing those bucking shoots in a different place. But um, I think uh, I think it's going to be a great event and um, I'm excited to get it started. How many bucket sheets? We had this conversation with uh, Brent Sutton the other day. Um, and again, as NV says, this you could be listening to this on round 10, but how many yeah. bucket sheets do they have down there? There's 12. There's 12. So is this guy, I mean, you, the, the opportunity that you've had to work a lot of different rodeos, indoor, outdoor, that sort of a deal. Is this changing up game plan at all for you or, and, and you guys, you know, the crew fighting bulls here? No, not really. I mean, these bigger arenas, it, I mean, it could change some of the, you know, Bulls' behaviors and stuff. But for the most part, our job is going to be the same. And we've all, we've all worked in big arenas before. So it's nothing like, it's nothing that we haven't seen in the past. So um, it doesn't change our game plan or our job. Anymore. Let's take a quick break. No pun though. Next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Junior World Finals presented by Yeti. From December 3rd through 12th at the Wrangler Rodeo Arena inside the Countdown Coliseum at the famous Fort Worth Stockyards, more than 750 youth contestants will compete for titles in nine events. Bull riding, team roping, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, barrel racing, breakaway, pole bending, mini saddle bronc riding, and mini bareback riding. Competition start at 7.30 a.m. daily and admission is just 10 bucks. Visit NFRExperience.com for details. This is Jacob Talley, three-time NFR qualifier, joining you on NFR Extra. We continue our conversation with four-time Wrangler NFR bullfighter Nate Justice right here on NFR Extra. Let's go back to you, your success as a young man. I mean, you're flying high, you know, right? No pun here. I, I believe you had some athletic scholarships lined up coming out of high school, studying aviation. But then in walks this gentleman named Al Sandvold. Can you take us through this, your, your, your young career here 
as it gets going and where Al steps in and where it goes from there? Yeah, so growing up, um, I never did rodeo. Um, I've always been a huge fan of rodeo. I had a lot of friends that rodeoed and stuff in high school, but I always was heavily involved in other sports that just took up a lot of my time. You know, I didn't have time for it or anything. I, I played um, in high school. I played lacrosse and football, and lacrosse was kind of my big sport. That's what I wanted to pursue and, and go on. And, you know, my, my whole dream growing up was to go play college lacrosse. And so as I <laughs> moving forward through high school, I got, you know, several athletic scholarships to go um, play lacrosse out on the East Coast. And kind of the more the more recruiting trips I went to, um, you know, I, I got recruited out to Maryland and Connecticut and um, some of those states out there. And the more I went over there and, and visited these schools, it kind of got to a point where it wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't – it got to the point where I was going over there just to play lacrosse. I was going to live in a place I didn't want to live. I was going to – study something in school that I didn't want to study just to play lacrosse. And so it got to a point where I decided I'm not going, you know, um, and I actually was committed to a school in Fairfield, Connecticut. And I called the coach about a month and a half before I was supposed to be there um, for to start two a day practices. I called him. I said, coach, I'm not coming. And so from that point forward, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I've always had a, my uncle was a pilot and I always had an interest in aviation. And so, um, I just got on the internet and kind of searched some aviation schools and some places that I would, would be interested in being And Montana was one of them. So I found a school in, in Bozeman and, uh, went up and visited Montana and I said, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, and that's kind of how I've always lived my life. Honestly, I've always lived my life in the seat of my pants and just followed my heart and, and, you know, it's led me here. So it's really worked out, but, uh, I love Montana. I loved um, aviation. So I made the choice and I went up there and started school and I needed a job. So I went uh, out to the airport and I applied for a job at the, it was called the Yellowstone jet center. And it was just a business that, you know, fueled all the private aircrafts that came in and, you know, we hangered all the private jets and stuff that flew into Bozeman. And um, I got that job just to kind of learn about the aviation industry and kind of get my foot in the door there. And Al Sandvold was my boss. And just get uh, working there, getting to know Al a little bit, I found out that he was a bullfighter. And I went and watched some of his rodeos and stuff. And, and uh, I just was really interested in what he did, you know, being an athlete my entire life. Um, and then moving off to college and not really being an athlete anymore, I was missing that athletic side of myself. And I wanted to do something to, I guess, being a, be an athlete again. And watching Al, you know, fight bulls, and how much of an athlete it takes to do the job. And being a fan of rodeo, I was like, that's something I could do. And so I asked Al, I said, hey, would you want to teach me how to fight bulls? And he said, yeah, I will. And so Montana State, uh, they have a rodeo team, and they practiced every Monday and Wednesday. So every Monday and Wednesday after work, me and Al would drive up to the college uh, when they were bucking bulls for the rodeo team, and he taught me how to fight bulls in that barn. And 
away we went. So uh, kind of moving forward throughout college, I finished my two-year aviation degree. Um, when I graduated, I got hired on as a flight instructor at the flight school. And then that's kind of when rodeo started picking up. I worked some high school rodeos around Montana, worked an amateur run out in North Dakota. Um, and so it got to a point where rodeo, um, I was getting busy enough with some rodeos that it, it started interacting with my aviation schedule. And I, I went to my boss at the flight school and I asked him if I could take, you know, these weekends off during the summer. And he pretty much told me no. And it got to a point where I had to kind of make a choice. And so I, I, I reached out to Al and kind of asked him, you know, cause I'm a 20 year old kid teaching people how to fly planes. My aviation career was, you know, it was, it is already taken off. You know, I mean, I, I was set to have a very successful aviation career. Um, but my heart was in rodeo. I wanted to fight bulls. And so essentially I was giving up an entire career for a summer run of amateur rodeos, <laughs> making no money, you know? And so I asked Al, I said, what do I do? And he said, Nate, you have, you have what it takes to be su successful in this industry. He said, but in order to do that, you've got to be willing to give up everything. You've got to give up your career. You've got to give up weddings, birthdays, funerals. Um, you know, you don't get to be a part of any of that stuff in order to pursue this, this, this industry and this career. Um, but he goes, I believe in you. I think you have what it takes to be successful. I said, all right. Once again, followed my heart and gave up flying. And I moved back to Douglas, Wyoming, where my dad lived, or where my parents lived, and, and uh, my dad's a general contractor. So moved back to Douglas, Wyoming, and I worked for my dad in order to pay the bills while I was chasing this rodeo dream. And, and uh, next thing you know, I started getting more and more rodeos, and, and here we are. No, hold on, Nate, though. You kind of mentioned dad, right? I, you're talking to two parents here, and if my son tells me, First of all, you got one great thing lined up, right? Sports, college, awesome, right? And then I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go fly planes. Oh, and that starts to take off, and you're like, oh, hey, mom, dad, no, I'm gonna go do this thing that, like, nah, the money may be this or whatever, and my life could just be ended at any moment in it. Where did your parents kind of what what, what were their thoughts on all this? Kind of how all this came about because that, that's some crazy stuff right there as a 20 year old. No, honestly, my parents, I guess they kind of know who I am and how I live my life and I'm really going to do what I do. And, and they've always been super supportive of, uh, supportive of me no matter what I do. And so when I told them that, um, yeah, they thought, you know, I probably wasn't making the best decision, but uh, <laughs> they were still very supportive of me. And, and dad let me go whenever, you know, if I had a rodeo, dad would. He'd let me go leave town and um, and go do it. So they were very supportive of it. Yeah, man. God bless Al, man, for uh, coming in your life, right? Yeah, no kidding. Bullfighting itself. Um, I think in the reality of this world, a little different for me being a daughter of a bullfighter. It's an art. How do you train, and what is your style of bullfighting? It's changed a lot over the last probably 20 years, just the style of how it all works. But 
could you highlight what you train for, what to you, what you expect and how it takes a mental game as well? Yeah. No, um, bullfighting definitely is an art, especially nowadays. I mean, um, when you're running three guys and you have three guys that are on the same page that know what each other's doing, um, and are all flowing together. It, it really is. Um, it's pretty cool to watch and it's really fun to be a part of, but when you have three guys on the same page doing it, um, it's the best level of protection for the bull, uh, bull riders. I mean, it's, we have all angles covered. We have each other covered and, um, yeah, we still have to take shots, but, but, uh, for the most part, it's the best way to keep these guys safe. And, and, um, but as far as training for it, for me now, it's all, it's all reaction. You know, we're, when you're fighting bulls, you don't have time to think. You don't, you know, I, I can't sit there and think I have to be there now. time you think that you're late. We're dealing with fractions of seconds, you know. The fraction of a second is the difference between somebody getting hurt or possibly killed. So we're, we're working off of reaction. So, the way I train for that is to watch a lot of film. We watch a lot of a lot of past videos of ourselves working, um, other guys working. We're always constantly watching video, um, and I just you know it's essentially it's muscle memory for your brain. So when you're out there doing it, you're just reacting to the situation because you've sat and watched it for you know 12 hours the last seven days. So um, that's kind of how we deal with the mental part of it is just you know hammer down on a lot of film. And then as far as physical training, uh, going to the gym and I just focus on workouts that just make me be an overall better athlete. You know, we do a lot of um, kind of explosive type of workouts, strength workouts, um, deceleration, change of direction type of stuff. So anything we can do to just become a better athlete um, is the kind of physical training I do. So, all right. My, knee, my knees hurt yeah. just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's uh, one thing I've really learned and taken away. So, I've, I've been going up to the pit in Bozeman, Montana, and it's a it's a training facility that a guy named Dane Fletcher started, and he was a linebacker for the New England Patriots for I think five or six years. But um, that's one thing he's big on is he watched a lot of um, film of me working, and then he generated a workout. Uh, regiment kind of based on the movements we do in the arena but one thing he really hammers on is he incorporates injury prevention stuff in there so we do a lot of like he'll incorporate stretching and certain different kind of stuff um, in the workout you know so when I get in the arena it's you know it's I've kind of I've got the athleticism and I've trained you know to help prevent injuries as well did you find that the lacrosse that you played in high school had a big effect on the ability to kind of transfer over into this sport? Yeah, absolutely. I, I say it all the time. I wish I was a bullfighter back when I was playing lacrosse because my footwork back in those days was, um, it was pretty good. And so I wish I was fighting bulls back then. What is your greatest fear? To be honest with you, I don't, I don't fear, I guess, anything in particular, you know, like snakes or anything like that. I mean, 
I've always lived my life, you know, in the seat of my pants, and I've always just accepted challenges as they come. And, and I guess fear for me is, I, I don't know, I guess I don't really have a fear. As anyone we've talked to on here, I mean, they, they, you face a lot of things, and sometimes your greatest fear was never what you thought it was, right? It could be something small. It could be something big. And a lot of people would fear what you did when you said, hey, I'm going to ditch these two you know, opportunities, and you went and did what you did with bullfighting, right? Or when you just tearing every single muscle off of your leg. And there's no right or wrong answer, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I if I feared something, it would be um, not being successful. You know, if, if I'm going to do something, I want to be successful. You know, so when I made that decision to go rodeo, I feared failing. You know, I did not want to to fail at this, and I wanted to be the best I could be. And, and you know, and then coming back to the injuries, you know, I. I didn't want to fail at my rehab. I, I wanted to get back in the arena. Um, and so um, I guess just that, that fear of failure has always driven me to, to, I guess, be the best that I can be. I just want to say good luck. I'm not going to say don't break a leg. Um, <laughs> but seriously, enjoy this. This um, Steve keeps talking about how everyone's going to look at this as a historical moment. So, man, you know, enjoy that and, and yeah. be a big part of rodeo history. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, um, everybody, you know, I'm going to miss Vegas, but, uh, what's happening here in Texas this week, it, it is history and it's, it's going to be one that, um, it's very honored, you know, to be a part of, be a part of it. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. The NFL had Hank Williams Jr. The NFR has the late, great Charlie Daniels. Professional sports step it up for their championships. The Super Bowl, the Final Four, the college football playoffs, and the National Finals Rodeo. And boy, do they put on a show. The difference? Vegas has had 35 years to practice. That is evident every night to those lucky enough to be in one of the 17,000 seats at the oversold-out Thomas & Mack Center. The best sight lines and the shortest arena and rodeo creates bedlam in the house and on the dirt. What takes place each night may look seamless to the fan, but if you take a deeper dive, it is implausible that in the light of unpredictable factors, like a bronc getting hung up in a chute, they pull off this in less than two hours, 10 nights straight. The stars of the show are the top 15 rodeo contestants in the world pitted against the best stock in pursuit of $10 million and the coveted gold buckle. 35 years ago, Sean Davis established a priority that became a foundation to the success of the NFR. See, John Van Conkite's theme of the NFR was that we matched the best against the best. They had their degree of glory in the arena, whether two seconds or two minutes, but all attention was focused on them. 
y'all. I am singer-songwriter Ashlyn Craft, and you are listening to the NFR Extra. Jordan Tierney was crowned Miss Rodeo America 2020 at the Tropicana Hotel in Las Vegas in December of 2019. And oh boy, what a year it has been to be a queen. The 25-year-old from Oral, South Dakota, is the daughter of PRCA world champion and Hall of Famer Paul Tierney. Jordan Tierney, 2020-2021 Miss Rodeo America, welcome to NFR Extra. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here chatting with you guys. It's going to be fun. You know, I just said that you're 2020, 2021. Can you walk, let's take us back to 2019, Tropicana, you get crowned. You had no idea what you were in for, did you? Yeah. So, so back to the Tropicana, you know, and that's actually funny that you say that because one of my best friends from last year, um, she was Miss Rodeo Nebraska. She sent me a photo that we took on the day of like moving in and stuff. And we were on the bridge walk um, going to eat at the MGM from the Tropicana to the MGM. And she was just like, oh, such fun memories. And I was like, wow. I was like, I was a baby. I had no idea like what was in store for me. But, you know, you just you really hit the ground running out in Vegas after you get crowned because you stay out there for the next like five, six days with your former Miss Rodeo America. So me and Taylor were out there together and she was kind of showing me the ropes shown me, you know, next year when you come to the NFR, this is where you go for <laughs> the flag girl room, you know, this is, you know, and, and so anyways, it's, I'm going to need to dig up those memories in a year from now when hopefully we're <laughs> back in Vegas and I'm like, oh yeah, where did Taylor say I go? <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been really fun. You know, my first part of the year, about the first two and a half months I had um, were just like a normal year. You know, I left my house January 8th. Um, and I wasn't supposed to come back until the end of March. I ended up coming back like the 13th of March because I was in Houston, but I mean, didn't come home once got like clothes shipped to me. You know, I was, I was like changing out stuff on the road and just kind of figuring it out. And, um, and then I came home and I became the most well-rested Miss Rodeo America in history. (laughs) So what were some things that you did after the the thing came down that might've been a little different, uh, compared to past? Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, I, it was like way more of like, how do you have it? Because as Miss Radio America, when we have our social medias, we're like posting about the events we're going to, or we're posting about, um, you know, the experiences that we're having. Well, I was at home on the ranch. So really what I tried to do was share my background you know, of ranching. And because that's where I was back, we were actually calving. We just started calving when I got home. So I got to be home and help my dad um, calve out. And then, you know, I got to rope again, which I haven't really got to focus on my roping in about like two years because I've been preparing for Mr. Radio America. And that's really kind of taken the front stage in my life. So you know, I got home and I started, I started breakaway roping again, team roping again, you know, <laughs> doing ranch work. I was nice. my dad's right hand man. <laughs> he went, Let's go, Jordan. <laughs> and, and so it was fun. And so I tried to share that experience with people because 
that's my life and that's um, who I am as a person. And so that correlates with who I am as a title holder. And I hope to share that little part of my life with people. Okay. You brought up something that I just want to ask. And I know brother knows I was going to ask this. You were talking about calving out and everyone doesn't know rodeo, right? Or they don't know Western lifestyle or ranching lifestyle. What's calving out mean? So calving out just means that your mama cows, you know, are um, having their baby calves. So when, as um, so when you put your bull in the pasture to breed your cows, you put them all, and they all kind of like will get bred around the same time. So it will be your your calving out, depending on how many cows you have, um, or when you put your bulls in, and how long you leave them in. You should um, you know, be done within like two months or so, maybe a little less. Kind of depends. But so, you know, for about a month, at least for us, like we're having about like six cows a day, we'll be having calves. So you have to check them regularly. And we have ours out in the pasture because we calve in the spring, not in the winter when it's cold and blizzards and whatnot. But um, so we'll go out and we'll check them in the morning. We'll check them um, in the afternoon. We'll check them before we go to bed at night. You know, if there's one that's having a little issue, we'll bring them in from the pasture. Um, You might have to pull a calf, you know, Sometimes they get the um, the bags over their heads when they come out, and you have to rip them. It's, so it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. But you just you're tending to your animals, and you're just you're there to make sure the mama cows, you know, are doing good and don't need your help. That's awesome. Yeah, that's why it was good for me to be home and you know help my help my dad and mom. Um, so yeah, it was. So it is a little bit more of a process than when you just say calving out. <laughs> You talk about the ranch, you talk about the family. Can you highlight just how you got into the rodeo industry? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad and mom both were first generation um, rodeo contestants. My dad was raised on a ranch in Nebraska, central Nebraska. And then my mom was from um, a ranching community up in the northwest corner of South Dakota. So both, both came from the background, but not rodeo, and they were first generation. So my dad um, won the PRCA World Champion tie-down roping in 1979, and then my uh, and then he went the next year in 1980 and won the all-around. And then my mom was a former Miss Rodeo South Dakota in 1985, and then she won the uh, Badlands Circuit barrel racing in 1986, so the year after she was South Dakota. So, um, really, my background stems a lot from my parents, and I have three other siblings, and we all rodeo, you know, since we were able to, uh, since, you know, probably five years old, we started at junior rodeos. South Dakota has a really healthy youth, youth association, so we started in 4-H rodeo. Little Bridges Rodeo. Then we went on to high school, college. Um, I've done some amateur rodeoing, no, not pro. Um, but my two older brothers, my oldest brother, Jess, he's a steer roper. And he actually just got done at his, oh man, I think it's ninth steer roping finals he had, or maybe eighth, um, in Mulvane a couple weeks ago. And then my other brother, Paul David, he is a team roper. He heads and he also is a tie down roper. So 
I mean, it's uh, it's in me through and through. It's in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, my dad always said we had we there was three things in life we had no choice in, <laughs> um, and that was God, family, and rodeo. <laughs> I think he was a little kidding, little not. <laughs> so I'm kind of a funny thing. You've had some experience coming to Vegas well before. Yeah. So actually, when I was younger, because I came around when my dad was kind of um, retired. You know, he was he was more just like a circuit cowboy because my dad was in the 70s and 80s uh that's when he was rodeoing hard making it to the nfr but yes he always talks about when the nfr moved from oklahoma city to las vegas <laughs> and i always asked him about it i was like you know did you like that he's like well yeah he's like there was way more money up in vegas i loved it <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah so when i came around i do remember going out to vegas for the finals a couple of years and there was also a horse sell out there that my dad would sell a few horses at every year when i was younger um so you know i remember being like in sixth grade and like walking down the strip with my siblings and like going to the nfr um and some really good memories i have when i was younger and then to go back uh, last year to the Tropicana and to compete for the title of Miss Rodeo America. It was just really a full circle moment. And when you're raised in the industry, you know, there's just something about like the bright lights of Vegas and it being, you know, there. And so it was really special to accomplish this where so many dreams come true for cowgirls and cowboys that I've, you know, grown up watching and admiring. That's awesome. You talked about your brother a little bit and I know this is about you, but talk oh, no. about the little bit of crazy finals, I guess you would call it there at the steer open finals he had. <laughs> yes. So my brother, Jess, uh, he is the oldest of us four and he is also a redhead and I'm the youngest and I'm a redhead. So, you know, you start with a redhead and with a redhead uh, and we're really similar. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> uh, he had himself a rough first five rounds because at the steer roping finals, um, it's only two days and they do the first five rounds um, it's Friday. And then the second, you know, five rounds, the last five rounds, uh, on Saturday. So the first night he had a rough night. He, the first round, I think he had like an 18 or something, which in the steer roping is, you know, a, kind of a slow run. He just had some bobbles and then it just really didn't go his way for the next four rounds. He took four no times, I believe. And so it was rough. So the next night, though, because Jess, he has some tenacity. I mean, that it's it's amazing. He really does blow me away sometimes. Um, he just came back and he won the sixth round, and then he came back and won the seventh round, the eighth round, and the ninth round. Nice. And then in the tenth round, he had a small bobble. I don't know if he would have uh, won that round because there was a new record set for the fastest time, which was an eight two or eight one. Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe cut that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> record set, and it was a really, really good run that um, Vin Fisher uh, ran. So, anyways, what I'm getting at is that don't back down. Never give up. If that's one thing Jess Tierney can teach you, it's that. <laughs> Jordan, let's stop right there. We'll return right after the break. NFR Extra, 
follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Godert as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hey everybody, this is Glenn Templeton from Nashville, Tennessee, joining you live from NFR Extra. We're hanging out with Miss Rodeo America 2020 and 21, Jordan Tierney on NFR Extra. All right, let's let's talk a little bit, just getting to know you a little bit. What is something that someone would find interesting about you outside of this rodeo industry that a lot of people may not know or that? Oh, that's a good question. Something interesting about me. Um, so I really like I don't know if this is interesting, but I I love like um, like cultural things. <laughs> like I love traveling and like looking at art, even though I don't know much about it. But like, I remember I was at the Cody Stampede this year and they have this really amazing museum there and they partner with uh, the Smithsonian at the Capitol in Washington, DC. So they have some amazing artifacts and like, it wasn't on my schedule to go do, but I had some time. So I was like, well, I want to go to that museum. And I just spent like hours in there. And my favorite part was like the art gallery and I just really appreciate like that, like history. Like I love history and learning about all those kinds of things. Um, sometimes I wish I had more time to kind of like dig into those things. But I mean, I don't know if it's if that's an interesting thing, but I, I love history. Um, I don't know where it really stems from, but I could like watch the history channel all day long <laughs> to do when I am done um, is to save up enough money to go on a trip to Europe. And like, I want to, I want to see all the countries over there. Like I really want to go to Ireland just because that's um, a lot of where my heritage is from, but I also want to go to like Greece. I've always been in love with like Greek, uh, Greek mythology, like I love it. I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Italy. I want to, I just, I want to see it all. I want to go to Spain, even Germany. You know, I just, I really, I want, that's my bucket list. Besides the NFR, what is one of your favorite rodeos and why you travel a lot, but if you can pick one. Ooh, um, that's a good question. So there's a lot of fabulous rodeos and I'm going to actually give you two. I'm going to give you my favorite South Dakota rodeo and I'm going to give you my favorite, like, you know, outside of South Dakota. So one of my favorite rodeos to go to, and I was going to get to go there, hopefully as Miss Rodeo America this year, and hopefully next year in 2021, I'll get to go, but is the Pendleton Roundup. If you have never been, I 100% suggest you go because the atmosphere there, like whenever they ring the bell and just everyone screams letter buck and like the, the Indian relay races that they have. I mean, it is, one of the coolest rodeos and it's, you know, it's on the grass and it's got the track. I mean, there's just something about it and it is really a fabulous rodeo. Um, and I got to meet the president of the rodeo this year. He came to Deadwood, South Dakota for the days of 76. And that leads me into my, um, other favorite rodeo, which is 
in South Dakota. It is the place where I got my first local title in 2018. I was Miss Days of 76. Um, it is one of South Dakota's, you know, best rodeos. It's just the location of it, the history that's there in Deadwood. Um, just there's something about it and it's, it's a beautiful rodeo, awesome committee. They do such a good job. So those, those are two of my favorite rodeos. <laughs> going back to Pendleton. So been there and that is, yeah, first of all, the Indian relay race, I had no idea. Yeah. Holy crap. That Indian relay race was awesome. It is really so cool. And those are the, those are the bridges that we make, you know, even, you know, when you talk about the Indian relays rodeo, you know, it's all a bridge to where we come from, our heritage and what we're all about. And that's, what's so important about, you know, the sport of rodeo and having these other activities with these rodeos, because it's all about the old West and how this, you know, this country was, you know, a lot of it was built back in the day. So I think those are really important um, aspects that are uh, important to keep in our, in our events. Absolutely. You've been in Dallas, Arlington, Fort Worth area, probably a couple days now. There's a few events you've attended. What does the future of this week look like? And what does the future of Miss Rodeo America look like? Yeah. So the future of this event, you know, it's, just hats off to Texas for getting this done, you know, and they've, um, they've been working with the PRCA really well, you know, all the mayors and the, and the governor and just trying to make this event happen. And I was, um, I was actually going into globe life a couple days ago and the security guy there at the door that checks our credentials and, and whatnot, he, um, he was just, I was just chatting with him and I was like, this is a beautiful, you know, this is a beautiful facility here. And he goes, you know, thank you. You know, we're so excited to have you all here. He's like, we hope you guys just love it because we built this beautiful facility and our public didn't really get to enjoy it this year. So he's like, we really hope you guys love it and enjoy it and just, you know, have a great time here. So really um, there's a sense of the community behind it here, which is really, um, I think, refreshing and, you know, just, it feels good to have that in the year of 2021. It's been, it's been a rough year, um, but we're prevailing and we're going forward. And I think just everyone's taking it day by day and it's, it's been good. And so um, the future of Mr. Rodeo America pageant, you know, we canceled it in hope and we'll be able to, to just go full force, have it like we normally do, because that's the biggest thing about that pageant is it's eight days and it's such an experience. I mean, it's something that, that you only get that one time, you know, those girls only get that experience once because there's no running for this title multiple times, you know, you only get one shot at it. So I think to give the girls that full experience um, and to really walk away with it, because if you walk away with the crown or not, it's, it's those eight days and it's what you make it out there. So uh, fingers crossed, it will be, it'll be in full swing and we'll be good to go in 2021. You guys have no idea how much Vegas will enjoy having the rodeo back and knowing where we're at. So it's, I think we talk a lot about the Cowboys going back there, but the locals, um, that's a pretty big thing to us down there, just like it is anywhere else. Um, that goes amiss. There's not a lot of that. We talk about the locals in Vegas and how much they enjoy. Um, Absolutely. That's a great point. You don't, um, and I don't know if it's cause you're just like in all those big like hotels and casinos, you know, and it just feels like it's like its own little bubble and world, but you're so right. I mean, there's so many locals that look forward to that rodeo out there that anticipate it, you know, and they'll tell you, I mean, you'll ask like, 
your Uber driver, your taxi driver, and you'll be like, um, so, you know, do you, do you like having the end of heart? And they're like, oh, we love it. You guys are all so nice. Like, you know, it's such a nice economic boom for our town. And that is one, like the number one thing though, is that they're always like, you guys are so nice. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go on a limb and say that there are certain events that we have that people are a little different, but it, yeah, the Western lifestyle is super kind and always, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, all the nice things that you're supposed to do with manners. Um, that's, I think that the locals truly love that. For sure. For sure. So, so I think they are, I do, I do concur with what you said. Um, it's, they're going to be happy to have it back as well. <laughs> well, Jordan, this was awesome. I, uh, man, it was cool talking to you and, and what an interesting year that you did not know you're going to have. Um, and I, I really thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. Many thanks to Nate Justice and Jordan Tierney for kicking it with us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas Where the big boys roam With the rovers and the racers And the bulls and the browns And the ladies in the skin-tight wrangers And the cowboy hats